the Bible, God's book, God's book cuts through the inflation of human nonsense to give us free gifts. That's right, free gifts. And who doesn't like free gifts? Only humans have the capacity for understanding God's free gifts. But on the other hand, only humans have the capacity to be so ignorant that we ignore God's free gifts. So come on in. Let's open our ears to hear, as Jesus always liked to say, and let's hear about God's free gift, Cosmos. Cosmos. the Publical Channel. Always glad somebody is showing up because we at the Publical Channel just love God's words and we know that God's words get the most out of human beings, not the least, but the most, and put us on the path of living a good life, of good understanding, motivated and, and, and meaningful life becomes whenever we focus on God. Anyhow, we've got a great little series here focusing on the gifts of God. But at the Biblical Channel, we just simply want to help you read your Bible better. And so we want people to talk about God. We want people to think about God. We want people to talk to God. We want people to get real comfortable with God. And the way that we get real comfortable with God is reading His words better. Um, and, you know, and just knowing how to read them and not getting caught up in silly readings and maybe our own, you know, what, what we're interested in versus what God's interested in. So use what we're doing here, please. If you like it, um, share it, you know, on the YouTube or, you know, we are now, you know, in the uh, Spotify sphere. And I think we're getting ourselves, uh, you know, onto the podcasts through through not through just through Spotify but also with iTunes uh, that might be a little glitchy right now but we'll get that going but either way like us and share us um, but if you just want to use what we're doing here to make yourself the smartest person in the room we're cool with that too we just want God to be talked about in a good meaningful loving way as the Bible presents it to us we want to sound like we know like we've read the Bible for reals. So anyhow, at the Biblical Channel, we love reading God's words. We're going to read some words. Um, we're not going to read all of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read what's meaningful to us. And so let's just do that. We're really just focusing on the beginning of the beginning, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form or void and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then we go on through the whole opening chapter of Genesis 1. And you need to pay attention to these words. And God said, let it be. And it was so. God saw that it was good, even very good. God is a giver and a blesser. All of that comes out in your reading at Genesis chapter 1. I'll leave the rest of the reading up to you, but do notice that pattern of, and God said, let it be, and it was so. God saw that it was good, even very good, and God gives and God blesses. 
Okay, but it, without any further ado, we, we should pray. Just the way Lord Jesus taught us how to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not in, uh, oh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Aye, there's the rub. Deliver us from evil and hallowed be your name. That is the key here. And God's kingdom come. Well, the whole thing is key, isn't it? Lord, that's a great prayer you gave us, and we love praying it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, without any further ado, let us talk about this opening line, the full line. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then goes on to talk about darkness, water, wind, hovering, spirit of God, all of that. So let's just grab it like we're supposed to. Darkness, water, wind, hovering, spirit of God. Spirit and God, the curtain, the curtain of life, the curtain of worldview goes up and it's a dark place. It's a dark and windy and water kind of place. And then, bam, a voice is heard. And when that voice is heard, a brilliant light blankets the landscape and dazzles the eyes of our imagination. Yes, indeed. Your imagination is supposed to be absolutely impressed whenever these words are written. The cosmic drama of God's salvation story opens with this dazzling light show. It's very exciting. It's supposed to be very, very exciting. And the text is prego, you know, prego, prego with excitement and and what's the human response? Well, I think a lot of people read it and they're very excited. But I also think too many people read this, especially the modern man and all the modern man's, you know, brightness and intelligence, you know, that kind of stuff. The modern man reads this and says, hmm, I don't know. I'm bored. <laughs> the number one killer of humanity. I don't know. I'm bored. You know, when people start saying, I don't know, I'm bored. Don't look for good things. It's actually the number one thing that kills us today. That's how good we've got it. God's good creation and, and the creative you know, talents that human beings have put into play have brought us to a place where boredom is actually what's killing us the most. Boredom leads us to all kinds of bad ideas and anywho, anywho, boredom actually leads us to believe that somehow there's no meaning and purpose and that is the worst thing and that's what actually kills human beings. But, I digress. What we need are these words. And we need these words because it's a free gift to us as human beings. It's a free gift that, that just is prego with meaning and purpose. And there is nothing that the human being needs more than meaning and purpose. God's cosmic drama. And it is God's cosmic drama is giving us drama queens, if you know what I'm saying, gives us drama queens two things. Number one, God is original. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine to call God OG, the original God. Well, he's the only God, too. So OG could stand for original God or only God, whatever the case might be. But what's more important to see is that like a boss, and I mean like a boss, God, the original, God, the only God, the OG, the OG, busts a cap 
into chaos, busts a cap into chaos and puts everything into a good order. That's the vision. That's the scene. That's the scene that's going on. And number two, God is laying out a foundation that good is his thing. You can't help but to hear it over and over and over. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. And God is a giver and God is a blesser. All of that, all of that is repeated in the opening chapter of God's good book. God's book. So anyhow, the picture that we have here is pretty clear. The throne of God is heaven. His feet is his, or where his footstool is, is earth. He's, yeah, he, he sits in heaven and has his feet on earth. And, and human beings, we're, we're told, are his number two. His number two. Ha, man, what good news. Human beings are his number twos in this world that he has created. And good is God's goal. Goodness is God's goal for everything as he is making it as he pronounces good, 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 very good, goodness is God's goal. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's where we are. And God's first words, you know, in this opening scene are supposed to be exciting for us to hear. As we move from what is clearly some sort of chaos to cosmos. And the very word cosmos means something that is very big and complicated that ends up being very well ordered. Look it up, the definition of cosmos. Uh, the, we use it for the universe, but what it really means is that, wow, there's an awful lot going on here, but it's really well ordered. And yes, and yes, it is well ordered because that's the way God broke into the chaos and busted a cap into the chaos and actually brought a nice ordered whole of God's goodness into being. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And just intuitively, um, we find, you know, that it's really good to take something that's big and complicated and to bring it into a little bit of an order, you know, to bring about peace and harmony and all of that kind of stuff. We take something that's big and, and a many and, and we bring some order to it. E pluribus unum. Is, is the phrase of the United States of America. And, and that phrase is a phrase that means many, many into one, many into one. And, and many on its own is just a chaos. Many on its own is a chaos until it finds its oneness. And, and we cherish this, this phrase because we know that it's the secret to our survival. E pluribus unum is, is that in the many, there's a oneness. Yes, that's good. And, and God's opening scenery indicates that this is the way God works. He is a unifier. He is bringing a many. He's bringing a plurality. He's bringing something very big and complicated into a well-ordered goodness. God is the great unifier for us. So it goes really well with this phrase as well as our founding framers of this country knew. Anyhow, here's the other point that I think we really need to digest well. Culture and social well-being is God's number one goal. 
culture and social well-being is God's number one goal for us as human beings. And it's, it's very clear that people's cosmology or their lack of a cosmology, their thoughts on the cosmology, ends up permeating our perceptions, our thoughts, and our habits. And for the modern man, this essential biblical narrative that we have here in Genesis chapter 1, as we call it, but it's really just God's opener to his book. But anyhow, for the modern man, this essential biblical narrative has actually been kicked to the curb. Modern man has kicked this thing to the curb. And what modern man somehow has got in its mind that is better is scientism and nihilism, which I'm just telling you right up front, scientism and nihilism takes us back into a chaos. We'll talk a lot about this, but scientism is basically evolutionism and they go hand in hand and nihilism and evolutionism go hand in hand as well. But at the end of the day, what scientism and nihilism is saying is that only matter exists and the matter that does exist, you know, the stuff, material world, matter, matter that does exist is only ruled by chance, happenstance, accident. That's it. Good Lord. Culture and society move backwards culture and society move backwards into a chaos and our societies end up being idiocracies. Yes, our societies start turning into idiocracies whenever we follow the logical outcomes of scientism and nihilism. It does not create for a stable society and we are starting to reap what we have sowed when it comes to this. But materialistic evolutionism is the kind of fancy intelligentsia word for what is purported to be the, the worldview that we're all supposed to digest now. But when materialistic evolutionism is is at the helm, what you end up with is, is you know, trading in, in, in human body parts, aborted body parts. You end up with racial preferences, you know, that, um, that humans make. And you also end up with eugenic engineering. Culture and society move backwards. And it's so important to understand that this science and evolutionism and this nihilism is prevailing in our institutions our institutions of government, our institutions of higher education, lower education, education all the way around. In all of our, in all of our public institutionism, institutions rather, this scientism or nihilism is the prevalent worldview. And it should not take us by surprise that we end up in this, in this chaos, that we end up in this, you know, backwards, you know, kind of progress as we you know, trade in aborted body parts and, and we start picking what racial preferences need to be at the front and, and eugenic engineering, all of this starts to unravel the good, well-ordered creation that God has put into play. Understanding God's first words is absolutely essential to us. Absolutely essential to us because it develops a worldview of God's cosmos of good. A worldview of God's cosmos of good pumps the brakes on a lot of our, well, bad social and cultural behaviors, if you know what I mean. Now, 
materialistically, we're doing great. You know, we've got all the technology and all the material things that, well, it seems like this world could be wrung out of. But those things, those things will not, will not get at the heart and soul of the human being. And those things will not take us to a well-ordered cosmos like God does. Well, anyhow, so what you think of origins ends up being very important because it permeates it. It just soaks into what you do and how you think. And nihilism and materialism is, you know, that's based on evolution. Well, it just leads to chaos. It just leads to chaos, not cosmos. And, and, and by the way, don't blame Darwin. You know, supposedly the aftermath of Charles Darwin, you know, that guy, Charles Darwin, supposedly the aftermath of Charles Darwin is what's brought us to this evolutionary materialism or this nihilism kind of thing. But don't forget, Charles Darwin did not die as an atheist or a nihilist. In fact, if you actually read his big book called The Origin of Species, when you get to the very end of it, he tells you very clearly that evolutions, you know, evolutions, powers, that he's been talking about in this book, that the very powers of evolution have been, in his own words, breathed by the one creator. Yeah, that's right. Charles Darwin sticks to the language of Genesis chapter one to even explain his, you know, proposal of evolution. And 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 it's so it's so important to get the facts right, that Charles Darwin didn't start this mess, you know, and he made it very clear that he wasn't messing with God's origins, that he found God's origins to be absolutely essential to even the idea of evolution as a theory. Oh, anyhow. So number one, the, the, the sad, weird world that we live in has created this, this, false debate, a fake debate, really, because it's, it's, it's only between people. Uh, but it's a false debate. It's not with, really with God. You know, here's what I mean. Sadly, there's this weird debate between evolutionists and creationists, and that has absolutely obscured the real message of God's first words that we find in the first chapter of Genesis. These are answers. Genesis chapter one sets out to answer metaphysical questions. Metaphysical questions are worldview questions, questions that answer where you are and who you are, that kind of stuff. Now, we also need to know what the problem is and what the solution is, and that's coming. The Bible's going to get to that and those metaphysical questions as well. But this weird debate between evolutionists and creationists has actually created a very sad state of affairs when it comes to this first chapter in God's good book. Number one, since the Bible doesn't even pretend to speak science, seriously, the Bible doesn't even pretend like it's speaking from the perspective of scientists or to the scientists. No, 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 it's not even operating on that scale. And so you can't discredit, since it's not speaking in scientific terms, you cannot discredit evolution. I'm not saying it's real or not. I'm just saying you can't discredit it from Genesis 1. Not possible. 
Number two, dinosaur questions and young earth theories are just distractions from the real message that God, God is making in his opening chapter of Genesis 1. And, and I'm, I'm serious. Dinosaur questions and, and young earth theories put into the, the you know, Genesis, in the book of Genesis, it just turns it into a poop show. The proverbial poop show, you know, poop show. God turns chaos into cosmos by his word. That, my friends, is the theme that opens God's good book, and it runs the whole way to the very end. God is going to bust a cap into chaos, chaos and judgment and all kinds of things. God is going to bust a cap into that because he is the one who turns chaos into cosmos by his word. Bam. We could end right there, but I think we have a few more things to say. And that is Genesis chapter one is Moses saying what God wants you to know. So don't forget Moses is the author of Genesis. And don't forget, Moses lays out his own heart in Exodus chapter three when he asks God, I don't, you know, I can't believe he has the stones to ask God this question. I, I don't think I would have asked that question. I, don't, I think I would have pooped my pants if I was in Mo Moses's um, shoes, although, although, or sandals that he had to take off, right? Um, but I got to tell you, maybe God was there to help Moses not poop his pants and to actually ask the right questions. Well, maybe. But anyhow, the question that he asks that I find so daring is, hey, if, if you really want me to go tell the Hebrews uh, that I'm going to bring them out of Egypt, and if you want me to tell Pharaoh this, who should I say is sending me? And that's why we get the book of Genesis to begin with. It is what Moses says that God wants you to know. Well, we already covered the fact that it's a big introduction to God, um, both formal and personal. But the big idea of the opening chapter is that God is unlike creation. God is not creation. Creation itself is independent from God. But at the same time, and at the same time, creation is dependent on God that is separate from creation. Creation is dependent on God for its origin and for its existence. Okay? And so God does not explain his origin. God explains our origin. God explains the origin of everything that we need to know about, and that is him. That is God. And, and God doesn't explain his own. And therefore, no account, no account of God's origin is even going to be possible. So I'm sorry if, if that is so necessary for you, you're not going to get that answer until God decides to, to tell us um, or tell you. And I suspect we'll know an awful lot more whenever the problem that we have is solved after this life. But I don't know. Number one, though, God doesn't explain his own origin. He gaps it. Ain't going to tell you. It's not what you really need to know, though. But what you do need to know is where you are and who you are. Also, God leaves out, God completely leaves out of Genesis chapter 1, the physical process of how his word affects or 
is affecting the cosmos and bringing this whole thing into a well-ordered goodness. He doesn't explain how. Um, it does say that plants in the animal kingdom were fashioned from the ground, which adds a, a little bit of plausibility to the scientists because, well, you know, our dust does return back to the ground. But it does indicate that there's a process there that God uses, meaning here's the thing. Here's what I'm really saying. There's two things going on in the opening scene of God creating. That is ex nihilo and by process. Ex nihilo means out of nothing. That is, you know, God's word just starts doing stuff out of a nothingness, out of a darkness, out of a, a chaos, so to speak. Um, and, and we're also told that there's a process involved that God seems to enjoy that, you know, out of the dirt, you know, he starts bringing out new things, making new things out of the dirt. He makes the plants out of the dirt. He makes the animal kingdom, you know, so there, it does indicate that there's some sort of process that God is going to use. Both things are absolutely supported by Genesis chapter one. But the main point is that God is fashioning things by his design. Whether it's ex nihilo or by process of some sort, God is making it by design. That God made the heavens and the earth out of dark chaos originally is the number one message. So let me repeat it. That God made the heavens and the earth out of a dark chaos, out of a windy, watery chaos, that's the origins, and that's the number one message that we need to make sure that we're taking away. So let's just end this thing by saying some Christians need to get a grip. And, and sometimes as Christians, we need to stop talking. Some Christians need to get a grip and read their Bibles better and just stay on the message because engaging too much is off message. You aren't given that. I got to be honest. Christians have overstated their case a lot of the time when it comes to these big debates between creationists and evolutionists. Okay. So that's what I got to say. But I also got some hard words. So those are hard words for my brothers and sisters whom I love. I am the family. We are the family. I'm just saying stay on message. Okay. Evolutionary biology, uh, biologists, I got news for you too. You're fun suckers and you're mean. That's just the end of the story. Let me give you an example. Richard Dawkins, one of the world's premier evolutionary biologists, so the world says. I'm sure this guy is one of the smartest guys on the planet when it comes to his field of study and scientific research. But the other thing about Richard Dawkins is that he has a huge axe to grind with anybody who believes the Bible. I find it really interesting that Richard Dawkins never has an axe to grind with the Muslim community, and Richard Dawkins doesn't have an axe to grind with the Eastern you know, community or the mystic community, but he does have some sort of big axe to grind with the Christian community, the Jewish community, anybody who's grabbing hold of that Bible. He wants to wag his finger in your face and tell you you're dumb. I'm just saying, Richard Dawkins, you are a fun-sucking, mean person. I watched a, a documentary one time called No Intelligence Allowed by Ben Stein. And Ben Stein interviews Dawkins at the very end of, of the documentary. You can get it on, I think it's on Netflix or something. But, but anyhow, Dawkins, here's what he says. Dawkins says, what is plausible? Aliens. Aliens are the origins of this place. Good 
Lord, heaven above, Lord, have mercy. I'm sorry, but that doesn't sit well with me. That doesn't do anything for me. In fact, that terrifies me. That horrifies me. It takes away my meaning and purpose, if you know what I mean. God's book, here's what I do like, though. Genesis 1 is God's book, and God's book is for everyone. And it opens with an exciting introduction of God, and, and not only of God, but as God, of God who is sovereign over all, answering my worldview questions of where am I and who am I. And it also seems to be clear that he opens up the scene as a savior. He's a savior rescuing, you know, or creating out of a chaos, putting chaos, busting the cap into the chaos of darkness, into the chaos of water and wind, which might be a judgment. You know, I've heard, you know, people say, and I can see it myself, um, that it almost feels like there might have been, might be a judgment going on in the first two verses of Genesis. That perhaps there was something before that had to face God's judgment. And because of that judgment, there is this darkness and water and wind, um, you know, over the place. Now, I say that makes a little bit of sense because the Bible ends with, with God busting a cap into judgment, just like God busts a cap, you know, in the opening scene into chaos of darkness and water and wind. Okay. Um, the whole Bible ends and the whole Bible, you know, concludes or climactically ends with Jesus Christ being the savior of the world for, from judgment that this world deserves. Well, so if, if that's the way the Bible ends, then maybe it's here too in the beginning, but I'm speaking too much. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a picture of God's sovereignty over, you know, darkness and water and wind and whatever's going on there with the chaos that he's still sovereign over top of that. And then he busts a cap in it and he, and he starts ordering things for his goodness. And that's how the universe, the, everything that we know, heavens and the earth is created. God is laying the foundation of goodness. That's the thing. God lays the foundation that good is his thing. And we can put that pipe in our pipe and smoke it. We can take that to the bank. We can do all of that with that. The throne of God is in heaven. The footstool of God is earth. Human beings are his number twos. Goodness is God's deal from the beginning, and goodness is God's deal to the very end. And busting a cap into chaos is the way that God rolls. And that's what we should take away from Genesis chapter 1. Well, hey, more on this. Join us next time. Good to see you.